We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. And for like the fourth week in a row, we're entering the biggest weekend of the season. Uh, <laughs> Lakers play the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight at Minnesota. Uh, and then Sunday... It's the Rockets on yeah. Sunday. Yes. Yep. Revenge it's- Tour. There's the Revenge Tour, like Anthony Davis said, Pete, every team that they're played... Beat them the last time that they've played. So got to get some get, get back. back road trip. That's yep. right. The get back road trip. Um, and so Lakers find themselves in the ninth seed after the Pelicans beat Denver after they sat Jokic last night. Um, but I think we're in a good spot. This is the fifth game of that like last 10 stretch that we were talking about. Lakers have won three out of the four so far. And in yesterday's pod, we really focused on the new starting lineup, D'Lo, Austin, Vando, LeBron, and AD, its debut and how great it looked. But in today's pod, uh, before we preview the Minnesota game specifically, and we did, if you want to hear more thoughts on that, we did get to it at the end of yesterday's pod. But I want to talk about something that's just about our team that is going to not only impact tonight's game, but I think the game's the rest of the season. And that's the bench, D. I want to define a time of game to really focus in on that. And that's going to be the six minute mark of the first quarter and third quarter and through the eight minute mark or so of the second or fourth quarter. And so we saw a bit of a hockey substitution uh, idea in the game against at Chicago when uh, uh, in the first quarter starters play great. And then we, we end up putting in, we got, uh, Dennis Beasley, who else was it? Troy, Troy Vanderbilt, and uh, and Wenyon. And so all of the shot making is off of the floor to end the first quarter. And this is with AD coming out around the two or three minute mark left in the game. And so we lose a, a, a few points of, of our lead at the end of the first. And then LeBron gets inserted into that as well. I'm sorry, Rui was out there to end the first quarter instead. Yeah, it wasn't Vanderbilt. It, it wasn't was an Vanderbilt unit. Vanderbilt came back in to start the second quarter alongside Wenyon and LeBron and with a backcourt of Dennis and Beasley. And then 
we lose a ton of our lead very quickly to the point where the Bulls catch up, even though we were up 17 and they take their own lead. In the second half, we make an adjustment where Anthony Davis plays the entirety of the third quarter. So there's a, a star player on the floor, kind of a hub of the offense. And it was better. And then in the fourth quarter, they actually played really well and extended the lead because we put D'Angelo Russell in to start the fourth quarter alongside LeBron. And so I just wanted to set the stage like that, D, of this is where we're at with the bench rotation. Love to hear your thoughts. Uh, the bench rotation. I love talking about rotations just because, to me, this is where NBA coaches get to show off their Tetris skills. Yeah. This idea of like, I'm going to build and slot some things together. It's also super important. Like the guys that you're going to play at at this point of the season, pretty much every other team knows the answer to that. And we do not unless, you know, unless there's an injury for someone else. And so this is what everything else is built off of. It totally is. And so there's a great website, Popcorn Machine. So Mm popcornmachine.net, I think it is. Goes way back. Yeah. And you can follow them on Twitter, I think it at uh, PM Game Flows, mm-hmm. I think. But basically, you get to, at this website, you can click into a box score and it'll show you, it'll show you on the left-hand side a list of all the players who played and then it'll show you in little color-coded bars when they were in the game and then mm-hmm. and then when they weren't in the game. And then it allows you to sort of look at these groupings together and how the team played during these these stretches. And Super useful you'll figure mm-hmm. you'll figure it out once once you click in to it. But it's like, oh, look at this. This stretch of the game for three minutes, the Lakers were plus seven. Who was in the game? Oh, like, oh, look, it's LeBron and and Troy and Vanderbilt and, and you start to get a sense of what works and what doesn't against the other teams teams group. And and it starts to give you a sense of not only what's good for you, but what is maybe bad for the other team or what works against that specific group of guys. And so in in looking more holistically at, at the Lakers, Pete, one of the things that I hope the team can start to do less of is, is having these bench units where it's like four of them on the court at the same time right or five of them on on the court at uh, the same time like there was in that first half because the lakers are a very well built team now i think at this point brian windhorse has said a few different times in his hoop collective pod that his co-hosts get upset with him but he'll say like the lakers have a top six roster in the west now and he gets blowback to that, but it's to actually that? true. Yeah, yeah, he gets blowback. That's to, nuts. That's anyways. so funny. People are so in their feelings about the Lakers. It's, it's not even. We have since the two and ten start. This is a sixty-five game sample. We have we have the fourth best best record in the West, and this is a way better team than the team that got most of that record all the yep. way up to there. Like we were in. Uh, we were d- deep down in the hole and we've dug ourselves out to a degree that like, I don't know, it's going to be hard for people to uh, well it's, move it's, off of their positions. Well, also, too, it's just like um, it's like the strength of a first impression. Right. hundred percent. And but it wasn't even the first impression. Right. It, it's the carryover from last year, too. Well, sure. Like you didn't trade Russell confirm- Westbrook. Yeah, right. Yes. There's like confirmation bias and, mm-hmm. and a bunch of stuff where you start to look for the things that you already believe. And so that's fine. I honestly couldn't care less about how other yes. people view the Lakers too often. Sometimes that's 
true. I definitely do want to know what certain people think about the Lakers national observers. But other times I'm just like, we're in the weeds with this. Like we watch this team every single day. I could break down to anyone why I think this thing works versus not works. Mm -hmm. Like I'll listen to a pod and they'll be like, Vanderbilt's been great. It's just like, Okay. So I know we're off on a, a side tangent. Well, totally. Well, but, whatever. <laughs> this is you and me right yes, now. Yes. Just... <laughs> so basketball, I think watching basketball is drinking through a fire hose a little bit. It's a really complex flow sport. And whereas most of the other sports that we watch stop after every individual play, and there's a little bit of time to digest it. And so in the drinking through the fire hose type of spirit, like it's easy, it's much easier to come up with a narrative and ride with it than sure. it is to actually like watch it and be like, because one of the things I always notice from the rewatches is like 40% of my opinion changes of what happened in that game the second time that I watched it, you know, sure. and it's, it's for a number of reasons, but it's mainly because basketball's super complex. There's a lot of things going on. And the reason why something happens on a night to night basis, you really have to watch. Yeah, well, on any given plate, that's true too, right? You think something was yes. open for one reason, and it's actually true for a totally different reason. And then you multiply multiply that by, what, 210 possessions a game total yes. between each yes, team? Yes, 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 100%. The point I was going to make about the Lakers roster construction is that they actually have a lot of guys who, within a certain template, do kind of similar things. Right. Like, obviously, they've got their outlier players. No one can do what LeBron does. No one can do what Anthony Davis does. But I look at a player like D'Lo and him and Austin are kind of similar dudes. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I look at a guy like Troy Brown and while he, him and Vanderbilt aren't necessarily the same. Right. It's just like they could fill very similar roles. It's just like even Rui to a certain extent, like, oh, here's your big body forward who can do some some offensive stuff. And so it's sort of easy to be like, OK, well, Rui, you can come in for LeBron and Troy, you can come in for Vanderbilt and and we'll just then keep it going. And Dennis, mm -hmm. you're going to be our shot creating guard. And this is that and the other. Right. And there's ways to sort of say, like, all right, well, this is our similar group. And so they're going to play in a similar way. And that's totally fine from an idea standpoint. But in practicality, so much of what I saw in the first half against the Bulls specifically is the level of shot creation and function within that offensive group just it fell underneath that Mendoza line that you talk about yep. a lot in terms of being like, can you do this specific thing at a good enough level in order to compete on that side of the floor? And that group didn't have enough. They didn't have enough off the like off the dribble juice and and enough shot creation out of like pick and roll two sided action out of the post, yada, 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 in order to say like, OK, well, we're going to keep afloat mm -hmm. here and. It spiraled against them. Then you're missing shots. The other team's playing in transition, and then it just keeps going. I, I would argue, though, that you are not substituting players, especially in the backcourt, in that replicate what you were doing in the in the first unit. Now, yes, they fit a certain like lead guard, Dennis Schroeder, mm -hmm. for example, type of definition. But how they go about doing it is different. And so think of it in this way: there are three columns: shoot, pass, dribble. From the, uh, in the starting lineup, D'Lo and Austin can do all three. They're both guys who can do all three. And to me, that's something that that's how you get to the skill guard type of designation is that it doesn't mean you're the greatest shooter, dribbler or passer, but you have uh, you're above average to, to very good at at all three. 
Dennis, think of him from that perspective. Very good dribbler. He's very helpful to Austin against teams that like to ball pressure. Because if you ball pressure Dennis Schroeder, he's like, great, I'm going to drive past you and get a layup and probably get an and one, right? And so he very much checks the dribble box. But he's not a good shooter relative to his position. He's okay, but it's certainly below average. And then as a passer, I thought he's been much better this year. And he speak, it speaks to the value of like playing with a guy a second year, yep. with AD yep. in particular. But it's not something he's great at. He's probably okay to maybe a little below average for his position, there, right? There's one type of pass a game that he makes the, that is like the really, underhand pass. Ah. Well, also too, like yeah. he is not a good cross court passer to a guy coming off a mm-hmm. pin down. Yeah, it's like one pass that like isn't in his bag. He like he doesn't read that very well, and yeah. it leads to a lot of deflections and turnovers. Like that's the one pass where I'm just like, oh, Dennis, you're throwing that quick out to the flat and mm-hmm. the cornerback is sort of sitting on it a yep. little bit and, that's and, a pick and it's six. just like yep. oh nope he's going the other way now anyway yeah. so so yes so dennis does not check the passing box relative to the lead guard type of position and then beasley can shoot but the dribble pass boxes aren't checked so if you think of it that's two out of six versus six out of six i know that's a simple type of breakdown but i think it really matters especially when the guys in your front court are dirty dirty work guy like wenyan right think of Rui from the shoot pass dribble type of perspective and so that's you have a starting lineup that's as skilled as really just about anyone in the league, at least four deep, Vando being the hustle guy. And then that's a big drop off to the second unit. And so I think maintaining a certain level of skill in terms of the guys, guys you have on the floor is going to be important. And to Darvin's credit, I thought he did that in the second half. No, he totally did. And so I think the point that we're getting to is finding finding ways to stagger guys a little bit more. And so... The Lakers substitution pattern is that he Darwin typically goes to the bench at around the six minute mark. Mm-hmm. Right. And he makes one or two key substitutions at that point. He normally takes out one of the guards and he takes out one of the stars. Right. And it's oscillated for a lot of the year. Like at what early on in the year, LeBron went, will went out. And then there was a stretch where AD started to go out early and you could tell that that probably wasn't what AD wanted as mm-hmm. much because he's typically been a guy who plays an extended first quarter rather than coming out early. And yeah. so it, it shifted back once LeBron and AD have both been healthy, it shifted back to LeBron being the guy that goes out. And so I'm not asking you to build a rotation right now, but when you're talking about the bench, I think finding ways to like, okay, well, who do you keep in and when you're sending guys to the bench, who goes out? Because I think that then you need to find ways to wrap dudes around the quarter a certain way in order to stay competitive over the stretch of the full half. So let's take an early break here. And when we come back, I think the way to look at this is who are your LeBron guys and who are your AD guys? So let's take a break and when we come back, we'll talk about that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The thing I loved about the second half, D, and this is something we've talked about for a minute, is there was not a minute of that half where either LeBron James or Anthony Davis wasn't on the floor. Like as much as we love to get in the weeds and the details, in many ways, can you holding a group together is as simple as that. <laughs> you know, have one of your superstars uh, on the floor. And so there are going to be two times during that wraparound, that six minute to eight minute or seven minute mark of the, sorry, six minutes left of the first quarter mark to the seven or eight minute mark in the second quarter. You're going to have a group that's an AD group, that group you were just talking about the last six minutes or so of the first quarter. And then you're going to have a LeBron group that's the first five minutes or so of the second quarter. And so when you think of the guys coming or not just coming off of the bench, because you have starters kind of reintegrating. Let's start with that AD group right there. Who are the guys that you think really fit next to AD? It's super interesting because you could literally rattle off any number of guys. And and so many of them fit well, like like D'Lo and Austin, for example, are mm-hmm. I think are really good, good fits next next to A.D. Like I like Vanderbilt next to A.D., but I like him as a three rather than as a four. Uh-huh. Right. Um, I really like that wrap over time between him and Wenyon for like a three or a four minute stretch. And the and, A.D. And so, Wenyon one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. The A.D. Wenyon combination. If I can. Jump in real quick. I've uh, got stats for this with LeBron on, or I'm sorry, with AD on and LeBron off. And Wenyon's, uh, you know, net rating is 30 point plus 30.5. It's only in 98 minutes, but he's our leader. To your point, D'Angelo Russell is second yep. plus 13.4 in 299 minutes. And then third, to your point, Austin Reeves plus 10.1 in 847 minutes. So that's the real thing right there. And and Austin is kind of the guy I land on with that group yeah. as well. It, you know, that he can be kind of that skill guard to help buoy that group the same way that D'Lo is helping out, uh, helped out LeBron in the fourth quarter in in that shift. Yeah. And this is where, too, it's just like this is why I don't want to say it's it's so easy because if if it was so easy. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's so easy to tweet these things. I know that it's such a hard job like coaching. It happened. Yeah. Well, the flow of the game, the feel, you're you're there, you're watching, who knows exactly what you're watching. On well, you're watching a zillion different things, to yes. our point earlier. Yes. The, all the stuff that we were talking about, uh, the 200 plus possessions, it happening fast, drinking through a fire hose. When you're coaching, you're the one determining a lot of the decisions in that. Yes. And it's still, you're still drinking through the fire hose. You just got to get good at it. Yeah. And so it's just like, this is where I would say too, it's just like, look. When I talk, when you talk about, oh, who are the LeBron guys and who are the AD guys? Like, yes. Mm -hmm. But then I'm also looking for, well, what are the other two and three man pairings that work together beyond just like Mm -hmm. flanking them with the, well, with the star, right? And so Mm -hmm. D'Lo works well with Austin. They both work well with Dennis individually. And those three as a group also work well together, right? Like I have very strong ideas about Vanderbilt being a wing essentially defensively and that I want him surrounded by more size in the front court. And so if Vanderbilt's going to play with 
with AD I and LeBron's not not in the game, I kind of want Rui to be in there potentially, right? right? Like or even Wenyan just for a little bit of of a stretch and then when AD comes out like then and Wenyan's going going to stay in can can LeBron come in at that point, mm-hmm. right? So that you are doing enough to keep a relative amount of size on the court mm-hmm. while also balancing that with enough skill somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's in the guards or at the forward spot. And this is where it gets tricky because Troy Brown, to me, is an interesting player here because he's mostly been treated as a forward. But uh-huh. in and he's been treated as a forward in a 10 man rotation. But if the Lakers are going to play a nine man rotation. Yep. And Wenyon is still going to play, which mm-hmm. I think is important. Right. And Rui is still going to play, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. Then Troy It's either going to be Troy or Beasley that -hmm. remains in the lineup, basically, right? If if you downsize to nine. We've been talking about this for a minute, man. This was always going to be the end point. Yes. And so in those cases, Troy can be a guard. Mm -hmm. And then you start to build out lineups a different way. But after the last game, Darvin was asked... Pretty a pretty pointed question about Beasley's confidence. And Beasley didn't have a good game. He he's he's rattled right now in a way that goes beyond just like his skill set. No, totally. And look, it's just like every every player who comes to the Lakers as the shooter, it's just mm. like that is that is a high wire act for that guy. It's just like an anxiety is a shooter's worst enemy. Yeah. And when everybody you got the bright lights on you, man, it's it can come quickly and you see it. You see it in his. Yeah. And so when you're not making shots, your life just yeah. gets exponentially harder. And I don't want to rag on on Beasley here, but I said this online. It's just like, look, un- unless until he starts impacting the game defensively and on the backboards and as a passer, then he's going to be judged on whether or not he's making shots. And that's just, yeah. that's, and, and particularly not only if, if he's making shots, but on his shot pass decisions, right? And that's where I thought he struggled some in that second Bulls game on Wednesday is that his shooting decisions were more like, like, oh, I'm, we're running up court and I'm just gonna shoot a very early clock three when no one's really set. And, right. and it's just like, okay, that's, it's one thing if momentum is going your way within the flow. Well, yeah, of and if like you're open, hell yeah, shoot the, that, you know, step into the jumper and, and knock it down, you know, but there's a guy right on top of you. Let's find a better shot. Anyways, and so in getting back to this discussion about the bench, and then I want to transition to Minnesota too, because Minnesota poses its own problems from a team perspective and how their roster is yep. built that I think it's, it's going to be an interesting chess match between the coaches around the rotation and, and who plays when is that Darwin's going to have to make a choice about whether or not he's going to continue to play 10 players or whether he's going to scale back down to nine, right? Mm -hmm. He was playing nine when LeBron was out. Nine is probably the right number. At this time of the Mm -hmm. year, it's almost certainly the right number. It's very hard to Mm -hmm. play 10 players during the playoffs. Um, And it's very hard to play 10 players in a very serious mode. Like there, there was, after everyone had a single shift in that first half, like, you had almost all of the bench players had like a five minute shift. And this is a problem that Frank Vogel ran into as well. When he was playing a 10 man rotation, he was just like, mm-hmm. I'm finding that it's hard for these guys to get a good rhythm. 
and they're not playing as well because it's like you run up, you run up and down the court for four or five minutes, and then suddenly like you're getting pulled because your shift is up and it's not enough time realistically for a lot of these guys. And so finding that balance is appropriate in terms of staggering those core four players, I think. Very much so. And I, and the good news is this is as close as we've been all season to being right there. And, and the second half, I thought really, you know, uh, I was really encouraged by the second half in this respect. Let's shift gears to the Minnesota game. This is a, a team, Nas Reed, who's been great this year. If you've been uh, following, he's been one of the real breakout role players around the league. Big part of their bench scoring in particular uh, hurt his wrist. He's going to be out for, for a minute. Hopefully he gets better soon, but he'll be out tonight. And I think that has a big impact on this game, D. This is a Minnesota team that's been increasingly figuring out how to play together with shifting environments, right? Like one of the things I was curious about when Cat went out for as long as he did, it shifted the team into more sensible roles in in ways that I was wondering how reintegrating him would work. And they've done okay so far uh, in, in, over their last few of having him back. Had a, He's had a couple of game winners, in fact. Um, I think Reed really changes the dynamic. And my, you know, long story short about tonight's game, I think transition play and just spreading them out. This is going to be a game that we win by being small and skilled rather than trying to compete with them, match up with them size-wise. So I think this is the five out, uh, a five-out type of game. And I think AD's perimeter abilities is going to be a huge uh, factor in this game. So we talked about this a little bit last game. And so I want to hear more of your thoughts on this specific idea around the matchups and who guards who. Towns is such an interesting matchup because he is such an inside out player. And if you play him, Mm -hmm. if you defend him with a smaller player, he will post up. But if you defend him with a bigger player, he will stretch that guy out. And my sense is that the Lakers will defend him with Anthony Davis. Do you agree with that? And if you do agree with that, talk to me about that balance that AD is going to have to strike between still being able to help around the basket while also understanding that Cat's a great outside shooter, uh, particularly for, for a big, for a big man. And he will punish you if you just leave him open out there. So I I think this is a great test of our defense in that, the the structure of our defense with AD in particular this year has been so big man centric. He's been our five almost the entirety of, and like a pick and roll around the basket type of five, similar to how Gobert operates. And Anthony Davis is great at that. And he's been great at that. And the results have reflected in our defensive rating when he plays. This is a matchup though, that Cat's really good. And Either LeBron guards him and has to be very engaged and kind of win the the ground game, or AD has the guy he's always struggled with the most. And I use struggle relative, right? He's still very good. But the big bruiser types, the Embiid's, the Jokic, even Cat, they have a strength advantage against him, where particularly if he's not as engaged, he can get pushed around a bit. I don't expect that Anthony Davis tonight. And defensively, though, this is the version of him that we need tonight is the one that kind of envelops Cat and just like takes him out of of the offensive game as best as possible. But where does that leave our help defense? That that ends up asking we end up with a big ask on LeBron if that's the case. So I think you've nailed it, man, about the idea that Cat is really the uh, the danger point for tonight's game, and that if he has a big game, it's going to be a tough one to win. So talk to me about what you see in that matchup. No, this is where I'm just very interested to see 
all of the all of the little tactics within the scheme that the Lakers are going to do, right? And so if there's a player in the league, interestingly enough, who is going to mimic some of what Carl Anthony Towns is as a player, it's actually the center the Lakers played the last game, which is Vucevic, right? Vuce is, mm. he is... He, he can, kicked our butts. He had the first 13 points of that game. Well, he can play in the post and he can back you mm-hmm. down. He was really trying to take it to AD in the post and, and sort of like take away space in order to shoot like little jump hooks and really fighting, doing his work early in in order mm-hmm. to get deep post post position. And then his yep. three ball was falling. And it's just like, okay, well, this dude can't miss. <laughs> and so before you know it, he's got like 29 points or something like that. And you're just like, damn, he, he's been making everything. And Cat is very much that same sort of dude. When he has his motor revving high, he will battle you inside and fight for, for inside position. And then he'll also shoot shoot the three. One of the things that the Lakers were doing, but they didn't do it as successfully, and they were late in how they did this, is executing peel-off switches in the pick and pop, right? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Troy got caught a couple of times staying with the ball handler a little long. And then AD mm-hmm. was like, get out. Like, yep. you got to recover back. And they were just late in that. And so I'm hoping that some of the reps the Lakers got in that very specific thing helps them against the Wolves because the timing of peel-off switches and the ability to sort of get out there in order for AD to still be around the basket to be a paint protector, that peel-off switch is an interesting nugget that I think the Lakers are going to have to go to more and more um, against a stretch big like Towns. And yes, exactly. And that that is really going to be something that determines how good you are at defending those pick and pop fives, which this that's something that our defensive system gives up naturally. There are adjustments that can be made, and I, I expect to see them tonight for sure. But like pick and pop fives are a type of player that can really hurt us. And so that, and Towns has been shooting a ton of threes since, since coming back. And so, yeah, that, that's going to be a a big storyline. I think transition is going to be huge tonight. Um, That's something that you think about the bigs in Cat and Gobert. I want LeBron and Anthony Davis to make Cat and Gobert run as much as possible. If we can do that, I think that we're in great shape. And so talk to me about what you see uh, in the transition game tonight. Yeah. So not only AD and LeBron, but Wenyon, as well, right? Oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where the Lakers... Front They're going to miss Reed in this respect, too. Reed runs his ass off. Yeah, the Lakers front guard guys, they need to change ends, and they need to look to to push the pace. And this is where you talk about transition. Well, transition doesn't start until you get a defensive rebound, right? And so one of the, like... Minnesota is going to challenge the Lakers on the backboards. On the boards. They are mm-hmm. big. They are long. McDaniels will crash from all over the court. He is that wing mm-hmm. player that they stash in the corner and mm-hmm. is comfortable going to the offensive glass and will leverage his his athletic tools to get tips. It's not only just to secure the ball, but just to slow down the lake like the the team that's trying to secure the defensive rebound. If the ball's getting tipped around a bunch or you're not getting a clean rebound with it with the ability to turn and go or outlet the ball, then you can't play in in transition. And so one of the things that I'm most looking forward to this game is can the Lakers rebound the ball effectively and can yeah. they then turn that into early offense chances? Because that is where this game can turn. This is a great point, D. Like 
that's going to be really fall on our guard rebounding, which has been spotty throughout the year. But there are going to be times where D'Angelo Russell and Minnesota knows D'Lo's strengths and weaknesses very well is going to have to box out a McDaniels, right? There's going to have to be times where Austin has to be physical with Anthony Edwards. This is something that I think we have a couple of disadvantages against them. And there's a reason why they beat us at home the last time yeah. that I think though, that our, our counter and in the spirit of what we were talking about yesterday of being more versatile now, that team that can both play in the half court, I think through LeBron in the post, I don't think McDaniels can guard LeBron down there and then just make them run. But you know, let's see LeBron and AD, AD run and to what degree they can still, they can do that at this point with their feet and all of that. Yeah, so this is where the transition game, the defensive rebounding game, those those things are linked, obviously. The other thing that I think is going to matter is just who wins their individual matchups on both sides of the ball, right? And so I think— One-on-one type defense type y- thing? Yeah, I think of like, can Vanderbilt hold Ant? I love that he can do that. Like, that was I was not expecting this at all. It's, it's super cool. Well— so I think that that's an important matchup, and I think the LeBron McDaniel's matchup is going to be big. I'm also very interested in seeing and circling this all of the way back to the beginning part of of our conversation is what do these bench matchups look like, and how does how does Darwin manage the bench rotation in order to try to get Minnesota out of their comfort zone, right? And so without Reed. Mm. Without Reed. That's already going to put them out of their comfort zone to some degree. They're they're in game one of figuring out that bench. Yeah. So without Reed, the Lakers have the ability to play. Will the Lakers go small at all? Right. And so we talked about Wenyon a fair amount. (laughs) I'd love to see Wenyon play with AD some. I'd love to see. I'd love to see Wenyon and AD play some against like a Towns and um, slow-mo combination. Oh, I like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I wouldn't mind seeing, okay, well, Gobert's the only big in the game. Is this a time to play three minutes of LeBron at center? LeBron, Rui, right? Yep. Troy, D'Lo, Dennis. Let's do it. Right? Like race up the court, play small. Make him run. Yep. When the Lakers have had success against Gobert in the past, remember – Last season, when the Lakers beat the Jazz on the strength of like LeBron, Stanley, Stanley Johnson, Johnson, yeah, <laughs> front courts, uh-huh. right? And it was just racing up and down the court. There are, it's the game within the game, Pete. And like we're mm-hmm. at the point of the season now, six games left or whatever. It's like every single one of these these games is its own play-in game to begin with. And we'd be remiss mm-hmm. if we didn't close on this point. This is the most important standings game of the season. Yes. This game, right? The Lakers have dropped down to ninth because the Pelicans continue to win, right? And so, but the Lakers have the tiebreaker over the Pelicans and they have a chance to drop Minnesota below them in the standings with this win tonight. They can flip-flop standings. So this win in this game can push the Lakers up to seventh. And it can push them over 500. For the first mm. time since January of last calendar year. I feel like we've lost every single game that has a similar story like this totally. behind it. Not tonight. <sighs> Not tonight. Let's let's go. Let's go. Let's go. This is the game. 
This is the game. And against these dudes who I saw clips yesterday of Towns doing his like, I'm here yelling when he was mic'd up thing. Mm -hmm. There's one of those games, man. This is the get back road trip. Yes. Right. It's time to get back. That's what AD said. Let's see it. Let's see it. All right. Let's go Lakers. Let's get a couple wins this weekend. We'll be back on Monday to discuss. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.